This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Good News Tuesday, BC dad David Chen shares his story about how hundreds came together for his son Max after nobody showed up for his birthday party and how the school actually helped him throw one inside class after the weekend failure. Chris Gilbert is back from New Zealand and he's live in Tokyo on the Shift with the International Dispatch. He shares the story of a wild journey home after the challenges of international travel. In fact, if you've been thinking about traveling, you probably want to listen to this conversation so you too can decide how you're going to navigate your way around. We also look at happiness and our inability to find it with Greg Fish from the world of weird things. What happens when we give up and how we could harness the power of spite to create positive things in our lives. This is the Shift Podcast. The most trending story at globalnews.ca is a story that's a perfect conversation for Good News Tuesday. Now, Good News Tuesday is not always about good news, right? That's the thing. I mean, sometimes we'll hear stories about someone recovering from cancer. Well, cancer's not good news, is it? But sometimes we have tragedy and we have good news come out of tragedy. Well, this particular story involves a man named David Chen and his son, Max, and it comes from heartbreak. But there looks like there seems to be some good news and momentum that comes after, uh, out of this uh, from the storyline. David, how are you? I'm very good, and you? I'm good. Thanks for being here, man. And I know that you stayed up a little bit to make this all fit for us, so I truly appreciate that. No problem. So uh, Max goes to kindergarten this year, was not doing mm-hmm. full days, was sort of doing you know partial days here and there, and he struggled with getting to school and the changes around that. Can you help understand uh, what Max's concerns were and what he was going through? Yeah, so he is on the autism spectrum, and uh, unlike his sister, who's also on the spectrum, he has more problems with focusing himself and with some, you know, social environments. If it's uh, too crazy, he can't handle that. Uh, the first day he went to school, within half an hour, he got a call from the school, and I said, take him back home, we can't handle him. And so he's been on a very gradual entry. He just started full days of school a month ago. So you can imagine going through three quarters of the year with partial days is is quite tough. Yeah. So new for everybody. And so now for the eyes of, you know, everyone in the class, not only does he have his, I speak to it frankly, David, we're adults, so Mm -hmm. that he's different than the other kids in the way that he deals with what's going on around him, but he's also not always there. Fast Mm -hmm. forward to the point now, it's his birthday. And what yeah. does the little Max want more than anything else? Well, in his mind, he's got new friends from school. He wants to do something fun. And I'm sure as parents, you thought it as an opportunity to create some different experiences and cohesiveness around those people that he cares about. So tell me about his birthday party. Well, you know, in school, like, this is not my first school-age child, so every school kid wants to go through that rite of passage of having a class birthday party. And two weeks earlier, I know some people complain, well, it's COVID and stuff. I get that. Vaccination is a big thing. PHO orders have been lifted. Two weeks ago, another classmate held a party. 16 out of 19 kids came out, so we assumed that this is not a big concern for the parents. So we organized to have a birthday party for Max at an indoor amusement park. And uh, we sent out the invites and we got three responses out of 19. One said yes, two said sorry, we can't come. And we just didn't hear anything from the other 16. And it was the first time I've ever experienced that, you know, just to be in a black hole with no responses. And I didn't want to think the worst of anybody, but, you know, there's only so much we can do. So we kept waiting, we kept waiting, and, you know, there there are sort of dead deadlines for the contracts. There are certain points we can't back out, and things are just go or no go. And we passed the deadline point, and, you know, I've, I've had situations in the past where parents called the last minute. They're like, oh, things have changed. Is there still room for my kid? They'd love to come. And you never want to disappoint anyone. So we decided to just go go for the, the, the party and hope for the best. And then the Saturday came around, and unfortunately, the only kid that showed up was the one classmate that said yes. So it wasn't exactly the, the party that we had hoped for. How aware was Max at this point? Um, you know, I mean, I my kids are older now, so I'm not even sure I remember, you know, that, that is Max five in kindergarten, or is he? Well, he turned six. Um, six. 
Yeah, so how, not, how aware is he? Yeah. He's not totally able to verbalize what he's thinking. He's he's still a little bit speech delayed. But, you know, at the birthday party two weeks ago, when I asked him how was it, he was it was awesome. He just lit up. And then when we asked him about his birthday party, he was like, well, it's fun. And, you know, with that big difference, it's heartbreaking. And and like I say, the kids, man, they get it. They do. Oh, oh, for sure. And, you know, I mean, it it hit me. And, And again, I didn't want to make any assumptions, but, you know, the emptiness hits you when you're singing happy birthday in an empty party room. And and it's a big place, too. Like, it's not like you can hide it, right? It's not like there was. No. It's a big joint, and so it feels yeah, empty. Yeah, and so that that's when, you know, because I have a Twitter profile, so just, uh, I guess, out of trying to chronicle my life, I, I put it out there, not making any assumptions, but it, it's an empty feeling. Mm-hmm. And that thing just exploded. Uh, I, I was shocked at how many people this resonated with the hundreds of stories of been there that happened to me stories from 30 years ago. And and it it was gut wrenching to see that we're not the only ones that have ever experienced this for whatever reason. You know, I mean, this is not just about someone being different. Um, I had friends came out and they told me happened to my kid. We're divorced. We couldn't get our act together. Um, I've had situations where there are cultural differences, dietary fears. Um, you know, I've got friends that, that they're so strict on kosher. They're like, we can't touch anything. And, and I get that, you know? Um, so I don't think this is a unique problem. And, and I think this made it a safe space for a lot of people to talk about that. Yeah, it's happened to them. And I think that hearing that there are people that remember this like 30 years ago, these echoes from the past clearly have some lasting impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, before I, I want to talk about that, before we continue mm-hmm. on that one, I got to ask you the dad question, David, uh, because mm-hmm. your son, Max, it's his birthday party, right? He's just new to school, but as a dad, I mean, we can talk about Max and, and that's, yes. that matters as a dad though. That's what you and I have in common. And I know that with my kids, you really want to give, the good memories, the good times, and you have four kids. Uh, yeah. Max is not your first one, uh, nope. not the first one that's on the spectrum. And so I would suggest that as a dad, you're hyper aware at this point about how to make it work, the things that work and how great it is as a dad. And as we can say, we're not selfish, but hey, we just want to succeed as dads, right? And that's oh, okay. I, I would and, say and that, so that the pressure. Hard, hard on you. I would say the pressure was even worse because here's the thing I mean, we know that kids that are on the spectrum they're going to get more isolated. The, the the gap between their socialization and other people's socialization increases with age. And to get it right at the start, I mean, that just blew my circuits going, oh my gosh, like, how do I start here? Mm-hmm. Right? So you can just imagine that if you've already been through this with one kid and this is accelerated, how terrifying mm-hmm. that, that is. Yeah, I, that's amazing. But the the light did start to shine in this. You are not alone. It's one thing that in life, yes. if we could only realize, I remember where I was walking one day after a breakup and I was going through this and I was thinking, oh, I got to write this stuff down. I can't believe this. And I was doing it out of anger, walking mm-hmm. along, you know, like I had to tell people. And, uh, and then it occurred to me, I'm like, I can't be the only one who's gone through this. What no. if there are other people that are walking right now, going through this situation, and they don't know where to turn? They don't have access to the same ideas or whatever. What about them? What are the ones that are alone? And so this is what this reminds me here is anybody else, and I have some friends who have some Spectrum kids, and yes. and they range in, in um, you know, so I guess to day-to-day function, uh, verbalization, all the things. They range to... Uh, all over the place, right? Because, I mean, they're kids. They, they are all different. And mm-hmm. and so here you are. Now you realize you're not alone because of your tweet. And, I mean, we're talking for everyone else, like this this particular tweet, like it's like a thousand comments or so. There's like 7,000 likes. It's been quoted out like a hundred and almost 200 times, retweeted yeah. almost 400 times. So yeah. what did you find on the other side of this that takes this heartbreak and turns it into the you're not alone, people get it, and they want to support well, you know, there was a lot of positive comments about how to improve the communication and improve the likelihood of, and I, I hesitate to say this, but the success of a party. You know, you want the parties to be fun and meaningful. There were hurtful comments, of course, but, you know, what I, I thought when I saw the, the responses of 
it happened to me. I thought there are ways we can fix this because what happened later on is we found out that many of the non-responses were due to the fact that our invites got stuck in a spam box. And that one little thing kiboshed the whole thing. And, you know, like I said, I I didn't want to assume anything, but we're still dealing with the aftermath. And that aftermath is just, it's horrible to deal with. It doesn't mean it's not real, right? It's the aftermath is still the real part. The spam box happened, sure. But the the impact of that is, is it just snowballs. Totally. So, so what we looked at, and I started talking with our school pack, is can we create guidelines and recommendations for how families deal with class invite parties? Because mm. that type of mistake can be avoided. But, you know, a new parent may not know that. And yeah. so you can imagine that maybe these other people that experience the same shared living experience Theirs could have been avoided if we just followed a few protocols. Um, I know that even finances pops up. And so I proposed to our PAC that what if we put aside a budget so that those kids that are, are marginalized, that, you know, we can actually fund a class party for them, get the whole class cupcakes, a small gift for the child. So at least once in that child's school career, they can be the center of the celebration amongst their daily peers. I think every kid mm-hmm. really needs that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I, I just went through that. My daughter's in high school, and uh, you talk about communication standards. Uh, there, there's an app for my kid's school, and yes. there was school fees. Like, there's a pay fees button on the app. But turns mm-hmm. out they don't even use that function. I didn't know we were new to the school, and yes. my, and yet there was this whole other thing, and they tried to deny my uh, my daughter access to a program, and I, they, oh, you wow. haven't paid your fees. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, there's nothing on the list. They're like, oh, yeah, we don't use that. So yeah, I, f- I feel like I get it. I feel like we've all been through that communication breakdown of where this goes. Totally. Crazy, right? Yeah. And so, so this is where, you know, I think when we suffer some pain, but we think about it and, you know, if we can come up with effective solutions and, and avoid this pain in the future, I think that's a good end result. And, and mm-hmm. so this, this is really why I want to keep spreading this message because, you know, we're getting responses worldwide. This is not unique to Vancouver. This is not unique to Canada. This is a worldwide problem. And if we can help solve that pain, I, I would love to see that happen. So... Um... I just want to acknowledge some of the tweets that you did get. In fact, there's one uh, person who tweeted, and I I think this is what matters. Like, we don't always have to have the perfect meme when we send a message. And Twitter is a, it's not the best place anyway, but mm-hmm. I mean, there there are good things that happen there. And there was a guy, JJ Strikes Back was the, the name of the, the person, and they'd said, um, really sorry to hear that, David. I have no words of wisdom. And I actually wanted to acknowledge that of all the comments because... Yeah. That's okay, right? Like, you don't yeah. always have to be the expert. You can just say, hey, I- I'm sorry. I'm really sorry to hear that. And I-, I think it's, I just acknowledge that person because you're up front. You don't always have to fix it. Just want to yeah. let you know I've got your back. And, and sometimes that's just all we need. You know, there were so many offers for presents and things like that. And, and I thank them for the generosity. Uh, you know, I thought, uh, thank them for the thought, but really what Max needed, and we were able to provide it because of his fantastic teaching team and all the parents. Um, he did actually have a makeup sort of in-class party on Monday. And, nice. you know, when he got home and when I asked him, how was it? He goes, I loved it. And, you mm-hmm. know, to hear that, that's like what made me glow. And, yeah. you know, I'm eternally grateful to the teachers and his whole class community for being able to provide that. Mm-hmm. And how do you explain it to him? Do you think the memory's been rewritten enough where he, he sort of moved on now? Because it's hard to explain to a kindergarten kid, hey, by the way, uh, there's this thing called a spam filter. <laughs> and by the way, uh, just so you know, you're not always at school and some families just don't know how to deal with that. Like, how do you explain that to a kid? Well, I, I think maybe not now, but, you know, yeah. kids remember. And so down the road when we're dealing with, you know, maybe his younger brother and we have that talk, um, you know, it's like my older kids, we talk about things that happened to them before. And when they're older and they're more mature, they're like, I get it, Dad. You know, and, and that's where we have to all be the teachers. I know that some people wanted to point the blame finger at the teachers. No, this is not a teaching problem. This is not a parent problem. This is a we problem. You know, we all need to be responsible for it. This was not a single cause. It was a multiple cause thing. And really, there's no benefit to point the blame. I think we are stronger if we accept that 
it can be changed. We can do better and we can become a stronger and united community if we do this. Well, you don't think those parents who didn't reply or didn't know how to deal with it? I mean, it, it's like when, you know, somebody's a breakup or a loss or whatever. The first thing that you have to learn is that there are people who don't know how to do this. Like we don't yeah. learn these lessons in life and that's okay. Even though they're not giving you what they probably should. Um, it, that, that's just one of those facts of life. It's, it's remarkable. And, um, you know, the you're not alone like, lesson is amazing. Max sounds cool, by the way. Oh, thank you. But, but, you know, like JJ, you don't have to have the answer, but just even saying, I don't know what to do. There would mm-hmm. other be people that would pipe in and say, well, maybe try this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the thing. If, if, if we can be vulnerable for a second and just say, this happened, I don't know how to deal with it. There will be people that will reach out and say, I've been there, done that, and this is what helped me. Mm-hmm. That's how we grow. Well, and, and all the silent people that are watching, listening to this and watching this, and that will go and look at that. They might not comment, but they will look and see what the follow-up comments are. We'll never know that ripple that goes. Now, David, there's two things here. First, I want to mm-hmm. hold you into account uh, for something that you actually tweeted two years ago. Yes. And uh, it's funny how it echoes uh, so two years later, it's literally almost two years ago, uh, okay. you posted this, this meme and, um, it was about your community and it was yes. about, um, other things going on inside your community. And mm-hmm. it does say this, it says, use your voice for kindness, your ears for compassion, your hands for charity, your mind for truth and your heart for love. And yes. two years ago, you did that with unrelated topics to this conversation. Yes. But isn't that. Isn't that just great evidence to mirror back to you, David, about how you're living into that, even with your kid, two years later? Oh, for it's sure. Da- you know, David, it's good dad stuff, man. For sure. And, and, you know, it's just if you lead a principled life, karma will come around. It, it, it will resolve things. There is an order to the universe. I, I strongly believe that. And I think that if we think the best of people and, you know, we just we just try to keep our arms open we will attract more people to come in than we'll turn people away. And that I firmly believe in. Well, it's a beautiful thing. I think you're doing great stuff, David. I appreciate that. Before we let you go, though, I do want you to help us uh, help us understand Max a little bit. Uh, is yeah. Max, is he like more of a train guy? Does he like cars or wheels? Is he a stuffy kind of guy? Tell me about Max. He is interesting. He likes Transformers like most kids, but he likes kittens, which is, I don't know where that comes from. I'm, I'm a dog kind of guy. Yeah, I Love, yeah. He loves things that spin, and he loves push buttons and lights. That, that's really more of the uh, autistic side of him. Um, but, yeah, the kitten thing, I really have no idea where it comes from. Yeah, you're going to have to work on that one because that's probably not okay. I mean, dogs are <laughs> No, it's <laughs> all good. <laughs> David Chen um, and his son, Max, uh, the story, we will post the whole story at shiftheads.ca. That's our community. And, um, David, um, as a man, uh, man to man, my opinion doesn't matter, but I do want to acknowledge that, uh, it, I mean, the evidence is here from two years ago. You are living into the intention that you're creating, and that's a good yes. lesson for all of us. So not only did Max's party teach uh, the people around Max, but it's teaching us today. So thank you, sir. Thank you. This is the Shift Podcast. The last time we talked to Chris, he was a Kiwi uh, who lived in Canada and then is now in Tokyo, who is back in New Zealand. And then now Chris is back in Tokyo. I rhyme the world in 80 days, it seems like Sir Christopher Gilbert has been doing. Let's get started with the International Dispatch. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. All right. Uh, last time it was live from New Zealand. Here's Japan's Chris Gilbert. But now you're back home. Ay, ay, ay. It's been a time, mate. It's been a time. A time and a half, that's what it's been. Not around the world in 80 days, but around the Pacific in 12. So, you know, it's so, just as exhausting. Well, we, uh, yeah, like you were you were going home. You were going to have a little, little tour of New Zealand, and then you were coming home again, and y- yeah. you seem a little down, Chris. Are you okay? What happened? Oh, no, I'm not down. I'm not down. I'm just so tired. First of all, um, I we talked very much. I got some things to get off my chest. First of all, um, we talked a bit about myself producing a, uh, a video of uh, mm-hmm. my tour around my hometown. Not gonna lie, did a pretty crap job of filming. Um, I'm not. I'm a radio <laughs> guy, 
So <laughs> you can't really blame me. You know, yep. and I, I did I did some. I did some. I've got about 50 clips on my phone here. Ready 50? To get it together. 50, yeah, but, you know, like a few, you know, like there are a few seconds each. Maybe like one song's worth of clips. Um, right. Also, mate, I haven't been home in five and a half years. Every day, somebody different. Maybe like four or five people to meet, to see friends and family. Everyone's got babies now. Like everyone's got a pet. You know, got to go meet the pet, got to go meet the baby. You know, and, and and every day, eating at restaurants, drinking wine, it sounds awesome. It's not. It's not great. Eating at restaurants and drinking <laughs> wine is nice once in a while. Every day for a week and a half makes you kind of sick. And, mm. uh, and especially when you've got a PCR test to get back on your plane to go back to Japan. And you have another PCR test at the other end of that plane. Japan's still PCRing people when they come into the country. And mm. uh, if you fail that after the hotel for seven days with you, buddy boy. So, uh, you know, after a week and a half of uh, eating um, at restaurants and drinking a lot of wine and such, got a bit of a, 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 a bit of a scratchy throat there, but a <clears throat> bit of anxiety building up in the back of the tonsils and uh, a few days of high anxiety before my plane home. So, um, you know, I, I, I said it a year and a half ago when I moved from Vancouver to Tokyo. I'll say it again now, guys, if you don't have to, don't bloody travel yet don't do it it's it, it not sucks. too much work yeah it what, what was sucks, the worst man. part was okay so it's not it's not smooth traveling is not smooth these days in any way what was worse the all the bumps along the road or the stress and anxiety about the tests to make sure you didn't get hung up somewhere oh definitely the latter like like i can do the paperwork Right, like I can, I can prepare and I can get my, my vaccine certificate and my PCR test and la la la. But while I'm on holiday in New Zealand, I'm trying to relax. I'm trying to like pet the baby. I'm trying to pet the dog. I can't do that because <clears throat> Mr. Scratchy Throat, the back of the throat, there saying you're going to fail your PCR test in a few days. The constant mm -hmm. anxiety of, um, you know, for Japan anyway, having to do that PCR test when you come back. You can't chill. You can't enjoy yourself. I might be different depending on what destination you're going to, but for this country anyway, boy, it was uh, it was as they say in Japan, high tension. It was not great. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I tell you what, after all of that, I might start a bit of a long story at the moment. Worst trip home, worst trip. I'm going to say, in terms of flights of my life, worst ever. Oh my god, I. Oh, changed his finger up. Well, I just wanted to, before you get into the, the flights, I did want to ask this one little question about your Kiwi sure. friends. Did you, now, uh, New Zealand has been super hypersensitive. Like on the national news in New Zealand, it was like, I'm not going to do the accent properly right then. I guess it's, it's British now. Um, but oh it was like, it was like, Bob's got a cough today. Locked down oh. Wellington, right? And that's kind of oh, how no. they reacted to it. Did you find that, um, did you find that your Kiwi friends were way more cautious? They're like, wait a second, did you just sniffle? I gotta go. Like, were they way more worried about it than than you've heard about, like in Tokyo and here in Canada? You know what? It's 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 a good question, and it was just the opposite. They were so chill. They were really? a little too chill for my liking, to be honest. Um, I think what's happened in New Zealand is. They had zero COVID famously for a year and a half to the point where after the first wave, they thought COVID was over um, before the vaccines or anything. And they managed to fend it off and hold it at bay until everyone was vaccinated. And they did that uh, by kind of uh, instilling this nationalist pride in the country of like, we're a team of 5 million and we, we beat COVID and everyone, good job. <laughs> and once it's everyone was, like. was vaxxed, triple vaxxed, they kind of let their guard down and they're like, well, intentionally let their guard down, not in a, in a lapse kind of way, but intentionally let code back into the country because they couldn't keep it at bay forever. Nobody mm -hmm. can. And whoosh, everyone got COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, and also everyone's triple vaxxed. So no one in New Zealand has had COVID while, while they're either unvaxxed, single vaxxed or double vaxxed. So they don't know how absolutely horrible it can be. Um, right. I mean, COVID, of course, is still horrible sometimes when you're triple vaxxed but not like it used to be, not like the no. good old days, right? right? You know, Not like white-knuckling your way through the supermarket on your way to buy a bag of flour that's not there anymore, 2020 styles. 
Yeah. You know, it's it's now it's just like, oh, I got a bit of a sore throat, got a bit of a cough. So I did find that New Zealanders were very good at keeping their mask on inside, but uh, when they absolutely had to. But apart from that, mate, it's just no holds barred. Bedlam. Off to the races. Everyone's right. sneezing and loving each other. Sir Christopher Gilbert, Gilbert in Tokyo with us here. It's the shift. All right, tell me about the flights because you, you had an, a bit of an experience uh, with your international travels here in the last couple of weeks. Here's an international dispatch about my international flight. Like, I, mm. I've been jogging on the spot to tell this one because I want to do a roundtable here with Shane and, and right. um, Rodonnell and Brendan Kelly about <laughs> this and hear, hear your thoughts. <laughs> um, I've worked in retail. I've worked in customer service. I know what it's like to have mm -hmm. a customer all pent up and aggro before they even come to you. You know, mm -hmm. they've got they've got their speech in their head and they march up to you and they're like that lady down there told me that this was three ninety nine but they charged me four ninety five for it, you know, that sort of thing, right? Have you ever had that inverted where you're the customer and the staff member yells at you? For absolutely no reason. Ooh, I don't think so. I that's don't a think, good I don't question. Think I, I mean, I've had you have the ones that are short that really don't want to talk to you. That are kind of like, wow, you know, you feel like, well, that was a terrible service. But I don't think I've had it the way you describe it, where they're pent up and they're the balloon filled with air, stretched and about to let go. I don't think I've experienced that. Mm. I'd say the closest I ever came to that was when I was really young. I I was at a summer camp and I had a really sassy, uh, like, oh, whatever counselor who like her entire personality was rolling her eyes at me that was it oh what? So, that's just a bad person the, yeah, yeah i wonder how she's doing now she's probably snapped out of that phase now i remember one time um we bonded over how great pizza pops were near the end of camp so maybe she is better now but that's the closest i've ever come to like someone working being aggressively like disrespectful to me all right brendan kelly uh, now so I have such empathy because I've had so many jobs. I have such empathy for workers always that like oh my God, me too. when they're in such a bad mood or whatever, I'm just like, whatever, I'll figure it out myself. So like, all right, they can all mistreat right, cool. me. I'm ha I'm fine with it. <laughs> you can abuse me. It's cool. I deserve it. No, that's a good launching point uh, because like I, I feel the same, you know, whenever I, I'm at a counter with somebody on the other side or something. I'm like, this person has a crappy job and they're not getting paid much. I'm going to be nice to them. So I'm at Air New Zealand. I'm flying Singapore Airlines via Singapore to Tokyo from Auckland. But it's code share. So the first flight is Air New Zealand. So I'm at the New Zealand chicken counter. And I, I have all my documents in hand. And I've got my, my vaccine certificate. I got my PCR test. Now, I'll say this very clearly because this is very important context to my story. To catch the flight to Tokyo... You've got 72 hours to get a negative PCR test beforehand. So mm -hmm. my flight was at midnight on Thursday. So I've got from midnight Monday to Tuesday to get my PCR test. And I got it on Tuesday morning at 11.45 a.m. So at the time that I checked into my flight, was going to check into my flight, 60 hours had elapsed of that 72-hour window. I was 12 hours clear, totally fine, right? I had a whole 12 more hours that I sucked my thumb and well, I'd miss my plane, but you know what I mean. I was mm -hmm. fine, totally fine. And then I gave her my document and she's like, where are you flying to today? And I went, I'm flying to Tokyo. And she was like, oh, well, this, this is a plane bound for Singapore. <laughs> I know, I'm going via Singapore to Tokyo. And she's like, well, Tokyo is not letting anybody in at the moment. I'm like, I live there. And I gave her my residence card and such. And she looked at my documents, my residence card, my vaccine certificate, my negative PCR test, et cetera, et cetera. And then she looks at her screen for a while, tap, 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 tap on the keyboard. And she says, I have to check something. And she leaves her desk. And then she goes out of the chicken area, around the back, into the offices behind the chicken area. And she's there for a very long time. I'd say eight minutes. Doesn't sound that long, but if you're standing there at chicken waiting to board a plane for eight minutes, mate, that is a long time. Feels like and forever. here's what happens. Yeah, mate, it's so long. And here's what happens next. As she comes when she when she comes out of the offices, she's like storming towards me 
and my wife at the time uh, storming towards it, like her arms swinging, her little fist, fist uh, like clenched, and she's like, like you know, like walking angrily towards me. And she says to me, she says, "You can't board this flight." Oh no! And have you? Uh, well, mm-hmm. I know, I know, but have you ever heard a chicken person just say to you outright, not? oh, I'm sorry, there seems to be some difficulty, or I'm not sure about this, can you clarify for me? But just, you can't board this plane. And actually yelled at me in New Zealand, yelled at us for absolutely no reason. So we're thinking, oh, we've done everything right. You know, like we've done everything we need to do. And uh, we tried to explain to her, like, what's the problem? You know, we're not terrorists. You know, I have I have uh, two pounds of halloumi in my carry-on, but I was hoping to get away with that. But if you want to take my halloumi off me, that's fine. I'll throw halloumi? it out. I don't care. Wait, wait, wait. What halloumi. is halloumi? Huh? What is halloumi? What is hal? What is halloumi? What is hal? Oh my god! What is halloumi? Halloumi is the it's... most delicious cheese in the world. Oh, halloumi! Oh. You pan fry it. You put it on your on your sourdough with a nice poached egg. Halloumi. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's not a Canadian right. thing, obviously. It's very... Thank it's, you. Ryan Brennan But you seem very excited about this. your cheese. Well, how well, do you no, spell it? Is how do you spell it? H- H-A-L-L-O-U-M-I. Halloumi. Let me... I might recognize it by the logo. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a brand. It's a Oh, it's not a brand. Cheese. It's a type of cheese. No, you know yeah, what, I dude? I don't think I've ever had this. And I love um, cheese. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're not cheese aficionados here. No. I mean, you have, you're the home of poutine. What are you talking about? You're not cheese aficionados. You've got poutine, you've got curdled cheese, but you don't have halloumi. This is insane. Well, it says, okay, guys, uh-huh. find halloumi, get on Amazon and buy some and slice it up and put some in a pan and pan fry. It doesn't melt. It turns brown. It's delicious. And then you put it on whatever you want to put it on. A nice little piece of salad. Is that, of salad? Why not? Is that like Australia's Vegemite to New Zealand's no, cheese? Uh, I mean, Australia's Vegemite is New Zealand Vegemite. It's the same thing, and I think oh, okay. uh, New Zealand. See, I just I thought, see, I thought a Vegemite like, was like a just an Aussie thing that was popular there. I tell you what, I also had three jars of Vegemite in my carry on. So oh nice no! Thing, but... <laughs> 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 I love it. I can't get enough. Anyway, you have your cheese. You're trying to smuggle. So now you're a cheese smuggler, and they won't let you on the flight. I interrupted. I mean, like, long story short, like, cause, you know what? Like, it's not worth getting into it. But, like, I've never had an experience where someone yelled at me and they, they were like, you can't get on this plane because you've got a window in which you have to get a negative PCR test. And we're like, we know, we've done it. And she said, yes, but it's a 72-hour window. I was like, we know. And she said, but this is a midnight flight. Your test was at 11.45. And we're like, 11.45 on Tuesday. And then she was just giving us the hardest time. You know what? I thought this was a good story. It just turns out to be a customer it service is. problem. But but I, I, I've just never had someone yell at me before at Chicken for no reason. We did nothing wrong. Oh, the one thing I think, I think that most of the, the – it's when you're booked, right? Because what, what happens if your flight's late, right? Oh. And then they're like, well, it's been more than 72 hours. Your flight's late. Yeah, but it's not my fault. It rained too hard and we couldn't take off, right? So I think yeah. it's actually from your booking time. So you should have been okay. But clearly you made it, so that's okay. I mean, we made it. I mean, the, the, the most hilarious part is that she went away and she came back a few times and she said, oh, uh, my supervisor's on the phone to Japan at the moment about this. I'm like, on the phone to Japan? What are you talking about on the phone? Who are they talking to? The whole country? And also, like, what is the question? How do you calculate 72 hours? Like, somebody had a senior moment somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, uh, on the flight from Auckland to Singapore, a cacophony, a chorus of maskless coughers all around us, just holding my breath for 10 hours on this flight. And then on the flight from Singapore to Tokyo, I mean, that was fine. But then at Tokyo, had an excruciatingly long wait for our negative PCR test result. Just sitting there wringing my hands, white, like, white knuckling like all the way through this experience. So, I mean, look, I had a great time in New Zealand. It was worth going home. I loved it. But guys, honestly, don't miss your holidays yet. It is not a fun experience traveling. I wouldn't mm. recommend it. So you, no masks on the New Zealand airline? No, you're meant to. Yeah, you're meant to. But I, I also think that people have just, it's been a long time, they've forgotten how to travel as well. You know, people mm, have become a little bit more feral. You know, they're, they're walking up and down the aisle when the, when the meal trolley is coming along. 
the clicking up and close the overhead lockers, getting things out. You know, they're queuing 16 deep for the toilet. People have just forgotten. People have become a little bit wild, a little bit feral during all these lockdowns, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, on the flight to the Ottawa, there was somebody who stood up. Literally, we were like taxing for takeoff. And they're like, I need my headphones. And they stood up. And they're like opening the, <laughs> the little cubby. And, and, and the flight attendant comes, you need to sit down, ma'am. And there was there was a lady that joined that was on my flight. Here we are. We're just like like critical of everybody. But yeah, there was a lady on my flight, and so she pre-boarded. She was part of the the, the old folks and the families for the pre-boarding, and she pre-boarded. Oh. I was in the very last row of the airplane, so I could see all this happen. She pre-boarded, got on the plane. I boarded with my normal section, got there, sat down, watched this all happen. So I was one of the first people on the plane after the pre-boards, and then the rich people, and then. I'm watching all this happen. By the time the plane was full, she was still standing in her seat, moving things, settling, setting herself up, everything else. And that was the lady who uh, stood up during the same takeoff. And then we got to the gate. The pilot came on and said, "Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're not quite at the gate yet. You'll notice the seatbelt sign is still on. Please remain in your seats with your seatbelt fastened. And once we get parked at the gate properly with the ground crew, then we're going to turn off that light. You're welcome to move over the cabin and get yourself packed up. As soon yeah. as that was said, take a wild guess who got out of their seat and opened up the cubby up top. It's the same Everyone's lady. favorite. Yeah. yeah. And then, but that's just the way people are. And then I got in the airport. She got off before me because she was in front of the plane, in front or further front of the plane. And then she got off the airport. And then I walk by the bathroom. You know when they have the family bathrooms that are just kind of like a lock? They're the, you know, the, the accessible uh-huh. ones for the folks that uh-huh. are in a wheelchair and or on crutches or whatever. And, and so she's there at the family bathroom. She's looking around in circles, and then she's like, pound, 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 pound. She looks at the whole crowd that's standing there, and she goes, do you know if anybody's in here? Pound, 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 pound. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> COVID, has not done, COVID has not done us favors in certain aspects oh, of our life, and uh, that, that's one of them. Bathrooms. A couple of bathrooms as well. There was one lady who went to the bathroom in the middle of our flight from, um, to Auckland, and she didn't lock the door. And about three or four people walked in on her. Still didn't lock the door. <laughs> Still didn't. Do. But it would be dark. The light would be on. Oh, that's true. Maybe she maybe she likes doing a business with the lights off. Who knows? But another one oh, is that um, and I, one that I found really weird. And, and no one that I told this to in New Zealand found this weird, but I find it bizarre. So I'll do a litmus test here. Is that on one of our flights to New Zealand, I was on the window seat. Uh, Mika, my wife, was in the middle seat, and it was a stranger in the aisle seat. And every time uh, Mika got up to go to the toilet, to use the bathroom, the, the person obviously in the aisle seat had to stand up. But they would remain standing the entire time she was in the bathroom. <laughs> and I, 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 like, just standing there in the aisle with the whole cabin, just watching this person standing. And I, and I was like, just sit down, dude. Like you're in the aisle seat. It's Weird. not that hard. Like I know that like when you stand People up in an funny, economy man. class seat, a whole uh, like a million skittles fall off you, and your wrappers and your chippies and your blanket <laughs> and your cushion and your books and your headphones and your shoes and everything mm-hmm. falls off you when you step. But honestly, you're in the aisle seat. It is so weird that you are a beacon, a statue, and a monument to my wife going to the bathroom for every second you're standing there, <laughs> and it's weird to me. I love it. Okay. Well, you know, traveling is changed. Traveling is different. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Sir Christopher Gilbert says, if you don't got to go, don't go. And if you're going to go, be incredibly ready. Um, there's one story that I wanted to hit on here. Uh, it yeah. involves Japan that you've got on yeah. your, your ideas here that actually resonates quite well in Canada. In Canada, there was an MP that joined the question period. I think it was a question period. Um, on on the you know the proper video call because in parliament in canada is hybrid still like you don't have to be there in person and you can join through the you know the i guess the the government zoom air quotes um and and watch well this guy goes to the bathroom and he joins the zoom call from the bathroom he's in the parley he's in the house of commons like he's in the building but he's in the bathroom, and he joins yeah. it so he can find out what's going on. And then, of course, one of the other politicians says, uh, Mr. Speaker, I noticed that uh, 
uh, MP so-and-so is, uh, someone's probably uh, in the bathroom. And so, of course, he apologizes all those things. Politicians do stupid things, and you have a story here that you wanted to share about the former MP um, that decided to try to still squeeze out some perks. Yeah, I mean, uh, nice use of squeeze out there after an an, an anecdote (laughs) about the toilet. But... Uh, so we're talking about Japan. Very quickly, I'll get one story of the International Dispatch in there that's not about me. Uh, the former member of both the Upper House and the Lower House, his name is uh, Yasuo Yamashita. Again, he is a former member, a former politician. He's, he's not sitting anymore. And he was busted over Golden Week. We just had Golden Week here in, in Japan a, a couple of weeks ago, which is like a week-long holiday for the whole country. And that's when everyone travels. So traveling is extremely difficult during this time. And he tried to make it a little easier for himself uh, by pretending to be a different MP, a different politician, and getting free Shinkansen, that is to say, free bullet train rides. He's uh, 79 years old. He was busted by the Aichi police on 27th of April. Uh, He was trying to get a green car, which is like first class on the bullet train. Um, and I, I guess that when you're a politician, one of the perks I regularly enjoyed is uh, getting free Shinkansen rides in, in the green cars. But he applied for one using the name and personal information. He must have had the address and phone number of a different parliamentarian without their knowledge. He was only caught by chance because someone at uh, the office of the Japanese railway company made a mistake with the reservation contacted the real MP, awkward, oh, no. um, whom Yamashita was impersonating to apologize, of course to apologize. And after his arrest, uh, after his busted impersonating his other MP to get a free bullet train ride, I love this quote, Yamashita reportedly admitted to what he had done, saying something to the extent of, the old days are hard to forget. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's just like he just he's, he wants to push. He wants us. Don't we all though? Come on, like we judge these people, but don't we all want these perks? These these cushy the chairs on, on the thing that goes would, fast. You know, would you take first class? Yeah, you would take first class given the chance. Absolutely, I would steal I first it. class just like him if I used to had it, and my mate was still a parliament uh, pilot. You know, I use my my mate's Disney Plus account. All right, I'm going to say it on the air because <laughs> we all do. We know we do this. Everyone does this. The only thing is that I think the real crime here is that you should have checked with his friend first. Hey, mate, can I use your, your Shinkansen? Yeah. Language? I'm surprised he doesn't have to provide ID, but that's uh, that's uh, absolutely fascinating. Well, MPs do strange things, and um, uh, can we get the vote for the uh, member of the uh, toilet flusher he's riding? I object! On the video call. <laughs> Don't join calls for the bathroom. Don't fake your way in first shame. class. You're on, Don't your, you're on your own. Class. Class. You're on your own. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Hey, you got to get, sometimes you got to work. You got to get the job done. So Christopher Gilbert in Tokyo, Japan. We have a lot of big, long list of stories that we'll get to next week. Glad you're home safe, though. That's cool. And uh, you have the, uh, is there another big trip for the, the wedding celebrations plan now? When do we get to go yeah. back and when does the invites arrive? Because I know that we're, uh, we're on the list for the invites to go to New Zealand. That's right. You all are. Uh, we're looking at December to go back to New Zealand. Uh, Brendan Kelly, uh, Rodonnell, and Shane Hewitt, you're all invited to come to New Zealando to come celebrate <laughs> the second marriage of uh, my partner and I. And um, I'll tell you what, let's leave you on this. It's a bit of a, a poignant thought, maybe. I like to think of it as that. Is that when I went home to New Zealand, I spent so long trying to avoid home. And, you know, like, oh, I don't, I'm not from New Zealand. I don't belong there, blah, blah, blah. And when I went home after six years, I was like, mate, it's so good to be home. It's so nice to be home. Back like where I, it's like sitting into a warm bath, you know. And then by the end of my 12 days there, I was like, oh, my God, get me out of here. And then mm-hmm. when I got back to Tokyo, I was like, oh, God, it's so good to be home. So can one have multiple homes? I don't know. But that is, my, that is Chris's uh, philosophical thought for the day. I'll leave you with that. I love it. Sir Christopher Gilbert, the International Dispatch. Thanks, buddy. Glad you're home safe. Me too, mate. Talk to you next week. This is the Shift Podcast. A couple of weeks ago, Greg Fish from worldofweirdthings.com was on the show. We talked an awful lot about happiness and all these really kind, fluffy things. Well, it inspired some new thoughts and ideas. So let's get into it. 
Welcome to the world of weird things with Greg Fish. Hey, weird guy fish. How's it going? Good. Welcome back to the program. How was your week? All good in your world? It, it was something. <laughs> something? Oh, dear. That sounds like a story waiting to happen. My goodness. Partially. Partially. That's kind of what uh, that's kind of what today's segment is about. Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, we started with happiness and positivity. Now, um, you know, if I just were to say pull some words out of your blog post at worldofweirdthings.com, I mean, you can see these words like sadistic demagoguery and all these things. So what in the world are we going on for this journey today? We are going to talk about the transformative power of spite. Spite. Ooh, that does make you ask the question, what is spite, doesn't it? It does. But first of all, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about the thing that is the opposite of happiness, which is hopelessness. And, you know, I live in the United States and, uh, you know, it, we're, we're kind of going through, through a period. You know, we just uh, our, our um, mass shooting season has started. Uh, we have uh, some very, very interesting decisions from our top court that basically say that, uh, you know, you now kind of belong to the state unless they if they so decide. Uh, so it's 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 really kind of easy for a lot of people to put out a lot of articles about how everything is hopeless and everything is terrible. And that gets amplified on social media. And you start asking yourself the question of, well, who clicks on this stuff? Because on social media. It's, it's the engagement that drives what appears on your feed. So obviously, if you're reading articles about how everything is going to hell and, and there's no hope and everything is, is basically di- tired and dead and gone, who's clicking on this stuff? The mm-hmm. answer is people who are exhausted. I mean, it is exhausting to be an American right now. It's just it, it, it just feels like a never-ending climb. It's a Sisyphean task to just kind of carry on sometimes. And people just want to have this, this permission that it's okay to stop. Hmm. It's okay to just accept that this is not, like, this. things are just not going to work out your way. So, you know, stop doing the impossible. Do you think that we, uh, we in general, follow some of those storylines? Uh do we think we follow them because of the need to now it's I'm going to sort of speak in the double negative because I feel I, f- I feel like this all happens in the double negative, right? It doesn't happen in the, um, you know, I want to know the info. It's the I I don't want to not know the info. Right. So we consume it. I I, I, um, I want to live with confidence and and um, be prepared versus the I don't want to be unprepared. I don't want to be surprised. I don't want to be scared. I like we seem to live into the double negative and the people who gobble up some of these stories uh, seem to be living in the double negative. They think they're living in the positive because they, they, they think they're being happy, but they're living in the, I don't want to be sad. And that seems like the place where it all lands. Yes, that's exactly it. Because in a way, so, so let's, let's talk about what being happy when you're in that double negative world. So, Remember that that really horrible job that you had that has been stressing you out for years. Everything's an emergency. The boss <laughs> is breathing down your neck 24 7. It is, it's just, <laughs> it's just a, ooh, did I hit a nerve? <laughs> no, I'm just did kidding. I... I just thought it was funny. <laughs> should I, should I quickly seg into something else or should I go ahead and continue? <laughs> That was Greg that Fish it? here on the shift. Thanks for listening. No, I'm just kidding. I All love right. Job, bye, everyone. I just did. I just <laughs> thought it was funny. I was. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just, just, just want to make sure. But yes. So if you had a terrible job where the boss is breathing down your neck and you can barely sleep because you're just full of anxiety with all the work deadlines and you decide, you know what? I'm going to quit. I'm done. This is not my problem anymore. Here's my two weeks. Bye, everybody. Best sleep you've ever gotten the following night, right? Best right. sleep Best, best feeling in the world, leaving an environment where it feels like you can't change anything, where you can't be happy. So in a way, this, this kind of acceptance that everything is bad and it's just going to be bad and there's nothing you can do is a defense mechanism. It's, it's saying, I quit. 
Well, we get that quite often here. It's Good News Tuesday-ish, usually the shows that you're on. And we have people that say, my good news is the jerk at work quit. The bad boss is leaving, the whatever. So we, we hear that. And not a bad thing. I mean, it is something to celebrate when you feel like that burden is lifted. So I'm not judging anybody. But I think that we can really understand the feeling you're describing of the burden being lifted when these things happen. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. The burden's being lifted. And this is the thing. Today, with what you're bombarded on the news, what you're bombarded with social media, that is amplified to make sure that you click and that will feed you the most outrageous fear-based stories, I totally get it. I'm not going to blame anyone for wanting to lift that burden. But, but, there's always a but with me, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can't just quit life because what's going to end up happening is that you can say i don't want to deal with things anymore so i'm just i'm just going to choose to quit i'm not going to i'm not going to vote i'm not going to participate in debates i'm not going to i'm going to delete all my social media i'm not going to read the news i'm going to be an ostrich with my head in the sand i don't i don't i don't care about anything anymore mm-hmm. well the problem with that is that the people who are making your life miserable directly or indirectly are going to continue doing that. And now you're not even putting up a fight. If anything, so what happens is that that in um, really rough political periods, uh, a lot of the people who come to power rate pretty highly on the in the dark tetrad that we talked about a while back. It's those is those four traits that basically tend to uh, signal that someone is a sociopath or has sociopathic or psychopathic traits. Um, and one of those uh, one of those traits is sadism. They want to be cruel to certain people. And it's especially fun for them when you don't put up a fight because they want to know that they're going to win. So this is the part where you say, OK, well, if I can't quit, if I can't lift that burden, how do I how do I stay motivated? How do I how do I keep moving? And I thought it may be a very good idea to bring up something from um, what I would credit to my Ukrainian and American upbringings, which is spite. When you have nothing left, let spite fuel you. And that sounds horrible until we apply it in context. Well, you did say one thing there that I do really want to acknowledge before we hear the spite is that you said about... um, you know, those political people that they want to win, right? And I would say even more powerful than wanting to win is, again, the double negative of not wanting to lose. So the irony of the whole thing is that the reason why somebody becomes resigned, right? And they want, they're like, I'm out, I'm done. With their double negative, becomes resigned because of the exact same reason that somebody needs to not lose, right? I mean, most people are driven to win because they don't like to lose. And they they don't actually love winning. They just don't like to lose. So, And some people don't know how to win. They just know how to not lose. And I know that that's a bit of a word salad, but it really matters that we uh, are distinct that way because the irony of all of it, is that some people quit for the exact same reasons why people want them to quit. And so they're actually feeding into the, the beast a little bit, and then you feed the person who, who probably is not the kindest of the people. Yeah, you're, you're right there with me. It's exactly, it's exactly what it is. And that's where the power of spite harvest, harvested for positive uses comes in. So, like I said... Um, my, my upbringing is Ukrainian and American, the two cultures who respond the absolute worst to being told what to do without a reason. I, I, you know, the Ukrainian part of me says, make me. The American part of me says, you're not the boss of me. And together, <laughs> the two combine into this kind of, uh, into this kind of uh, spiteful rejection of not putting up a fight. So if someone comes at me or if someone is after my rights, if someone is after something I hold dear, I might look at it and say, objectively, I might just lose this fight. But you know what? I'm going to make this as costly, as expensive, and as painful for the people who are trying to get me as humanly possible. 
because that is going to be that's going to be my north star that self defense and finding meaning and power and hope that i will go down swinging because i just can't see myself giving up because if i it, it, look at it this way if you are quitting not to lose not necessarily to win but not to lose if you've already defined your goal as i'm going to go down swinging because i because just giving up is losing you've already you you see you've you've, you've redefined that mindset you you've mm-hmm. given yourself a target you've given yourself a goal you've given yourself a way to not lose you've given yourself a way to reclaim some autonomy i might i might end up losing but i'm going to go out on my own terms mm-hmm. and we, and that's you know what if you're trying to survive and you're trying to make it through it there's nothing wrong i don't i don't want anyone to think that i'm diminishing the experience of what it was first of all you sound like a ukrainian baba by the way when you say those things about you can't make me and all those stuff like i love that it's like it's like you're all the ukrainian grandmothers listening you're like yeah that's me um so the um but i don't want to I don't want to diminish anybody from thinking that the double negative is uh, not working for you. It could be working perfectly well. It could be a tool in your toolbox as you describe it. I would just invite that there is a uh, another way that I, I'll frame it uh, to succeed a little bit differently. So uh, I'm going to save that for the very end of the conversation when we're done here, Fish, because I think that that I think that's a, it's a great way to to get into this. I don't want to take away from where you're going right now because sometimes living in the double negative is just necessary, right? Because sometimes when you're working and you need to make money because you've been broke before and you save money so you're not broke again. That is inspiring. That is what is driving you. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just suggesting that uh, being clear on it matters. So I'm going to get into that before we're done. But um, with I have a little phrase that uh, I'd like to share with you about it that I think should inspire people to acknowledge where they're at. So let's continue with this, this as you describe it of how we use those tools for our advantage. Yeah. So and and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, again. But again, when it comes to, obviously there's discretion to be used. You don't necessarily want to pick a fight with everything. You want to pick something that you really care about, that you're really passionate about, that you feel that this is something that is very important, something you don't want to lose. And you want to focus on defending that as much as humanly possible. I mean, my existence, based on my family history, is 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 my family essentially just refusing to refusing to take no for an answer, and 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 because if they just decided to give up, I wouldn't be here, and that's kind of just the, the just that mentality that I grew up with. If you are confronted with an existential threat, your only choice is to keep moving forward. It's it's to it's to keep going no matter what, and that. And in, in giving yourself that choice and only that choice can also be just very refreshing because you don't have to sit there and agonize and sit in that existential dread that can lead you to get really lost in what you have to do. It's just it's very clear. There's a threat. There's a problem. I have to fight. I have to confront it. There's I don't have another option. I have I just have to keep going. And and you have to let that fuel you if you are really dealing with something very, very profound and, and, and very problematic, because the minute that you give up, yes, the burden might be lifted, but in, in certain cases, you're just opening yourself up to be exploited, to be somehow dominated, to, to potentially mm-hmm. lose your rights. It, it, some of these things are very serious these days, and, and we have to treat them that way. And, you know, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when we were all told that when Russia invaded Ukraine, Ukraine would be overran in 10 days, and they were going to then steamroll through Eastern Europe, and the whole world was going to fall apart, and NATO was going to be in shambles. And that didn't happen. And the reason why that didn't happen is because you have people who essentially are confronted with existential problems, and the only and they look at them and they say, "Well, we have to fight, no matter what. We have to keep going." And that's the mentality that I think a lot of people 
should should entertain when it comes to really important things in their lives. I have to keep going. I have to keep moving along. But that doesn't mean you have to do it on your own. Get help. Ask for help. Find allies. Build relationships. Go out into your community and, and try and actually move those positive goals forward. You, you don't have mm-hmm. to do everything alone. You don't Start have to do everything without help. But yes, but that's the whole, that mindset of I'm not going down without a fight mm-hmm. is what starts the conversations, is what gets you looking for help. It's what gets you moving. And if you make any sort of progress, you're going to find that hope again. You're going to find that light at the end of the tunnel that, hey, if I keep going, maybe things are possible. And that's really what I mean about the transformative power of spite. It can keep you going when you feel like there's nothing left and saying, okay, I give up, please lift the burden. Seems like the only possible way to go. But you also know in the back of your head, the minute that you do that, bad things are going to happen. Well, I'm going to credit some of the, uh, some people here in, in this conversation because it is so incredibly important. Um, and Tony Robbins, I, that's where I heard it f- uh, from most predominantly. So I'll give him credit in this one is that when you living with the pain of discipline is so much easier to take than the pain of regret. Right. And I often say that here on the show that how, you know, what are you going to do about it? What, how do you take action? I don't have to agree with you. On anything, I mean, I agree with you, Fish, on this conversation, of course, but I'm just saying in, in, in general, we don't all have to agree with each other to acknowledge the fact that someone is taking a stand for what they believe in. We can handle people taking a stand for what they believe in. But the question is, is, you know, are they the resigned people that sit on the, on the, on the back, uh, on the, on the wall, like the wallflowers that sit back like the guys from the Muppet show, you know, that wasn't half bad. No, it was all bad, right? Oh, like they, they just these critical people that judge and judge and judge. It doesn't push anything forward. So this is where I wanted to take this. Here's what you're talking about. I really want to turn this for anybody who feels like when Fish is talking about this particular experience, that the, the I don't want to lose. I don't really care about winning. I just don't want to lose. Here's a couple of things to, to, to keep in mind. Change the subject, change the language. That's how you find clarity. So if you don't want to lose, call it money, because money is a very tactile thing versus sort of this is a, just a larger conversation. If you don't want to lose money, then, you know, do you need to win at money? So what you do is you change. In order to have winning, there has to be losing. So in order to have a winner, there has to be a loser. That's the way it functions. It functions that way in all languages. And so here's the thing. When you change that to finding success, well, there's no real antithesis to success, really, by definition. There's just success or not success. And some people will say, oh, there's failure, but it's actually not the case. Failure is actually just a story of some attachment to an outcome. So this is where this gets really, really cool. Um, If you don't want to lose, but here's the thing, and this is the part that I think is the most inspiring of all of it, Fish, to what you're talking about. If you're feeling resigned, and I've said this on this radio show, I think I just want to live in a log cabin with no internet so I can get away from all this stuff. That's resigned. That's the political stuff you're talking about. So many people just like, I'm out, I'm tapping out, let me go. And here's the difference. If you're living in the double negative, you are living. If you're living in the positive, if you're living in the joy, the fulfillment, all of these things, this extraordinary ways of being, you are living alive. So that's the question. Do you want to be living or do you want to be alive? And I think the standard that you're talking about in general in this world is so many of us strive to just live. And if we change our thinking the way you're describing it, as I hear it anyway, we can be alive. And isn't that a nice contrast of treading water versus swimming? Yeah, I, I definitely like that that comparison that i think that's i think that's that's exactly it do you do you want to just exist do you want to just survive or do you want to have your or do you want to be alive do you want to have agency do you have do you want to keep your life moving forward Mm -hmm. it's a great article well done love it fish um i'm going to post that link up worldofweirdthings.com nice and easy if you want to go uh, check it out it's right there on the top plus i um will put at shiftheads.ca so you can connect with fish learn more about it and read it there too thank you very much greg always a pleasure 
Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 